Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. What's up, everybody? Welcome in to the Early Edge College Football Live Best Bet Show, Week Zero Edition. I am your host, Alan Bell, and I tell you what, I have waited all summer for this show to come back. It is my favorite show of the year, and we get to do it every single Wednesday, 3 p.m. Eastern. So make sure turn on that notification bell on our YouTube channel so that you don't miss a single one podcast as well. We will be in your feeds generally about 45 minutes after the show ends. So tell you what. Not wasting any of your time. Let's bring in the stars of the show because I know you guys have missed everybody. First up, my man Chip Patterson. How are we doing, sir? It's good to see you. Uh, it feels good. This is the time of day. This is the time of your week. We start now. We keep it rolling all through the season. Uh, enjoy always chopping it up with y'all. It gets my weekend started uh, on the right foot. You know what? You're exactly right, man. Same thing here. Tom Fernelli, looking sharp as always, sir. How are we doing? I am good. I'm also anxious. It's, uh, you know, we're here. We're back. That means football is right around the corner and I cannot wait. Even if it's even if week zero does not quite bring the same overall selection of games that we'll get in week one. It's still college football. It'll still be on all day. And I still can't wait to watch and bet on it. Dude, I'm telling you, man. And I'll, I'll say this. The number one comment that I heard all offseason was people were ready for Tom Fernelli's Service Academy Unders. Uh, they can't wait for it. And I'm fired up for it, too. Micah Roberts, my man, looking sharp. How are we doing, sir? Excellent. So glad to be back with you guys. You know, it's been a long summer, and football's here. Uh, you know, AB, I see you all the time, and we talk. I like to hear you laugh. Fornelli, I get emails from him all the time from CBS, the one fade to Grom. I'm still <laughs> laughing over it. It's hilarious. So I get stuff like that. So I feel like I'm communicating with Fornelli. But Chip, I don't get enough Chip, and I need that Chip energy. And I need, like, an energy drink like Chip. Like, this is what I've been missing, for real. And so last night, I didn't even sleep that. I woke up at 3. I'm, I got this this uh, North Texas quarterback, Ani, Ani, Ayun, Ani, Ani. And then I'm like, okay, how about Patty Fitzgerald in Ireland? What's his clan? Is he from County Kerry? Yeah, I think he is. And I'm thinking about this all the while humming Galway Girl her hair was black and her eyes were blue. And so <laughs> I am ready to go and talk about some of these games this week. Thank you for having me. Woo! That was one awesome intro. Let's go. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude, he just cut like a Ric Flair promo right there. It's fantastic, man. And I'll tell you what. All right. So you talked about the chip energy, which is real, by the way. Like if we could bottle it, sell it, we'd all be millionaires. But all three of you. Like, you guys brought it like no one else, and I want to reiterate of the accomplishment that you three had last year, okay? We went through week zero all the way through the national championship game. You guys tallied a record against the spread, 104 and 79, meaning you went 56.8% last year, boys, all the way through. So well done on that. Fantastic job. Now, for everybody tuning in, look, you guys – new 
how kind of the rundown was of this show last year. We would come in, do some storylines that affected the betting lines of the week. We would break down our best bets, and then we would break down really the big six, the big six games mm-hmm. of said week. We're going to do exactly that, except for this show, because week zero is so different, and there's not too many games on the board. So what we're going to do today is we're going to break down our best futures bets, and then we'll get into our best bets for week zero. Next week and week one and all the way throughout will be exactly how we did it last year, because I loved it that way, you guys loved it that way, and we'll get right back to it. But week zero, kind of an odd year. Or odd year, odd week. So that being said, all right, our best futures bets. Micah, coming right back to you. What you got on the board? Futures this year. Yeah, you know, I'd like to take some futures to, to win a college football championship. But, I mean, it's limited to, you know, four or five teams, six teams maybe with a legitimate shot. So I don't even see any value looking at it this far ahead. Um, what I do like is Utah State over seven wins and to win the Mountain West Conference again, plus 675. That's a number that Circa Sports is offering. And I'm trying to look at the other the Mountain West teams, and I don't see what Utah State is bringing. Blake Anderson, amazing job last year. They won the championship 11-3. and three. He brings back 14 starters, including Logan Bonner, the senior quarterback, 36 touchdown passes last year. And he's got four of the offensive linemen back. And to me, out of everything in the first couple of weeks of the season, maybe go three weeks, an offensive line that has five or four starters coming back means they're going to run the show. They're going to be uh, active. They're going to give a young quarterback more time. They're going to give gaping holes for a running back. And I, I just see this being right on target with where they were last year. And so far this season, I think there's seven teams that have all five starters back on the offensive line, 38 teams that have four or five. And I'm going to use that as an edge in a lot of these opening games uh, and going into week three. But for purposes of the season, I think they get up to a fast start. And I, I think they uh, they run the table in Mountain West. I'm not saying undefeated, but maybe two losses um, and get in the championship game and whip some tell again like they did last year. You know what? Hey, that's all you got to do. You got to go undefeated. Just get that title game. And you've got yourself a nice shot. Love those two plays there. All right, Tom, coming over to you. You've got three futures plays. Break them down, buddy. We got. Yeah, the first one to me is I, I am going to bet a team to win the national title because Mike is right. There's only a few teams that are going to do it. So I think there's one team that's getting a little too much value because honestly, I think there are only two teams that are going to win the national title in 2022. It's either <laughs> going to be Alabama or it's going to be Ohio State. In Ohio State at plus 300. I really like the value there. If you want, you can even hedge. Just bet Alabama and Ohio State. Take them both. You're probably going to, you know, you'll win money because it's going to be one of those two. But I look at this Buckeyes team. You look at the depth chart on offense. It is an NFL player at every single spot, whether it's the quarterback, receiver, running back on the offensive line, just NFL players everywhere. Defensively has been the Achilles heel for this team in recent years, but that was mostly because Kerry Combs was running basically three or four completely basic coverages all season long. And it was just a, we're very talented. We'll just overwhelm teams with our talent. And it worked plenty of times. It was just when they faced other elite teams, it didn't work. Jim Knowles comes in from Oklahoma state. He's going to make that defense a lot more difficult to play against. There's still plenty of talent on that side of the ball. I think the Buckeyes are the only team that can really contend with Alabama for a national title this year. So at three to one, I love those odds. I'm also taking Clemson to make the college football playoff at plus 150 because spoiler alert here for one of my big, you know, bold takes for the 2022 regular season. 
I think the college football playoff is going to be Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, and Georgia. Two Big Ten teams versus two SEC teams. But if there is a team that I think can crack through those four this year, I think Clemson has the best path there because I look at the ACC. I don't really see I, – I know Pitt won last year, but I think the Panthers are going to take a significant step back this year. I think Miami is poised to be a contender for the conference in the coming years, but I don't think it's there yet. I look at this Clemson team as still the most talented team. It's still going to have a phenomenal defense. If that offense takes a step forward and is least average to above average, they're probably going to run through the conference pretty easily. And if that's the case and somebody else messes up, they are the most likely to get that fourth playoff berth. So I really like the value on Clemson to make the CFP at plus 150. And then my final one kind of goes in line with what I just said for my spoiler about the playoff. Michigan over nine and a half wins. I've talked about this on the Cover 3 podcast as we've been doing our season-long win total previews the last few weeks. I look at that Ohio State-Michigan game at the end of the regular season and I think there's a very good chance both teams will be undefeated going into that game because I look at Michigan's schedule and there's a lot of attention played paid, or placed on what Michigan lost, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. But they've got plenty of athletic freaks to replace what they lost. Offensively, they've got a very good offensive line. They've got two solid quarterbacks. They've got an excellent stable of running backs. They get Ronnie Bell back at receiver, and I think they've got depth at the receiver position that they lacked last year. And I think they're still going to be very good on both sides of the ball. I think that while they're not at Ohio State's level overall of talent, I still think there's a significant gap between Michigan and the rest of the Big Ten. So I look at that team as a team that's probably going to win 10 games in a worst-case scenario. So if I can get them at over nine and a half, I love the value on that because I think the Wolverines are going to be very good in 2022 and surprise a lot of people. You know, you brought up, I think that you brought up the two biggest questions, probably that, you know, any of us that aren't a Michigan fan or a Clemson fan, just casuals, right, of looking across the country, is how good is Michigan going to be and what is Clemson going to look like? And I think you nailed it there that Clemson's defense is going to be legit regardless yeah. of what the offense is going to be. And the same thing with Michigan, even though they lost, you know, guys like Aiden Hutchinson, things like that. But their D-line is still going to be pretty solid offense. So I, I love that breakdown right there. Well done. Chip, coming back to you, man. You got, what, three plays here? And I believe one of them, I'm here in Nashville. I think a lot of people in Nashville are going to like it. Break it down, man. What you got? We'll, we'll save that one for last. We'll start at the top uh, with the most amount of wins. Houston. Over nine wins. Love this Cougars team. They've got two Power 5 games that I think are both going to be wins, both Texas Tech and Kansas. This Cougars team did not lose a single conference game in the regular season last year. And once again, Cincinnati, the other big contender in the AAC, not on that conference schedule. So I expect that they will be near perfect, if not 8-0 once again in conference play. The winnable non-conference games, one, two, three, four. Oh my gosh, did I just get 10? Like that Was it that easy for me to go over the win total? They've got a defensive line that is absolutely nasty. They call themselves Sack Avenue. Defensive coordinator Doug Belk is a rising star in the industry. And that's really funny because I tell you that Houston is coached by Dana Holgerson and your mind immediately goes to 70 points in the Orange Bowl. But this team is actually led by its defense. Not to say that they're like not good offensively because Clayton Toon is you know, a pretty good uh, college quarterback and wide receiver Nathaniel Tank Dell is one of the best wide receiving talents in the conference, if not the country. So they can score and the athletic ability at skill positions is strong, but it, it's very much against the grain from what you expect. I think the defense for Houston is sick. And again, I think the schedule sets up for 10 wins. So I'll go over nine uh, on the negative side. 
Oklahoma State under eight and a half wins, it's going to be a little bit of a sweat. But all of Oklahoma State's season was a sweat last year. They made it to the Big 12 title game. They made it to the New Year's Six Bowl. But there were a ton of close wins. They had a five-point win over Tulsa. They had a one-point win at Boise State. There were seven games last season where Oklahoma State did not score 30 points. So again, it's against what you think about a Mike Gundy Oklahoma State team because it was their defense that led the way. They lose their defensive coordinator, Jim Knowles, to Ohio State who Tom, of course, is very high on as he's picking the Buckeyes at 3-1. to one. Good value. Agree with that as well. But he also lost transfers to Ohio State and also lost some NFL draft picks. So if Oklahoma State's going to take a step back defensively, I don't think the offense is ready to keep them in the Big 12 title race. Some of those coin flip wins that they had last year probably break the other way. And so I've got them falling back to the pack of the Big 12 and going under 8.5. And, and then finally, A.B., for you, for Nashville. Nashville was such a such a great host for your boy as yeah. I got to come in last week. I mean, it looks like you're in Studio B right now. I was even yeah. able to get in there at Studio B and be able to put in some time uh, for the Cover 3 podcast. We appreciate uh, the time that you made for us. And I also got to touch base with my Vanderbilt <laughs> sources. And I'm going to tell you <laughs> that we have increased this team's length. We've increased this team's speed. And we are ready to cash this win total by the end of September, Vanderbilt over two and a half wins. And I'm telling you, they're going to go three and one in the non-con. You're going to have a winner by the end of September. And what is more fun uh, as a fan than looking at a win total and just thinking all you need is three. And as we lay them out, it starts with Hawaii here in week zero. You got Northern Illinois on deck. There are so many opportunities before we even get to October for Vanderbilt to cash this. And look, Wake Forest is tough, but they could be playing Wake Forest without Sam Hartman, who is currently sidelined with a medical issue. So who knows? Maybe even you got four at the end of September. Uh, all in on the doors over two and a half as well. Dude, You've got sources at Vandy Chip? Who? Yeah. Name I, names. I, I would never. <laughs> my journalistic integrity would never allow me to disclose my sources. I, I was going to say, not to give away your sources, I went through when like, when uh, putting together the the show graphic, right? We've got Scott Frost on there. Not gonna lie. So we use Getty Images. I searched for our man, your source. I was trying to get him on the front of this graphic. <laughs> the only thing I could find was from previous uh, workplaces um, that probably wouldn't have worked as well. But I'm, I'm with you on Vanderbilt. Like I think they start three and zero. Honestly, like I think they go to Hawaii, take care of business, and roll from there. So yeah, I like that one a whole lot. All right, let's get into our official bets for week zero. All right. And again, a little bit different of a show style this week. We will be right back to normal formats next week and throughout all the way to the national championship. So speaking of our best week zero picks, Micah, coming back to you, you got two plays, break them down. Hey, I'll tell you what, I almost forgot here before we do that. Let me make sure that I get this up here so that anybody listening on the podcast is not just hearing us and can't understand exactly what we just went through. So our college football futures, Chip Patterson, he's on Vanderbilt over two and a half wins, Houston over nine wins, Oklahoma State under eight and a half wins. Tom Fernelli, Ohio State win the national championship at plus 300, Clemson to make the playoff at plus 150, Michigan over nine and a half wins, minus 140. Michael Roberts is on Utah State over seven wins and Utah State to win the Mountain West at plus 675. So I knew... That I forgot something. You know, it's week zero. 
Mistakes happen, and mistakes are going to happen in these games. That's why we're betting them. So, Micah, now I throw it over to you. Two plays. What do you got? Yeah, I like Northwestern, and it starts right from the outset on the ratings that I have. And it says there's a difference of eight points with Nebraska. So I'm looking, this is a neutral site, right? This isn't in Lincoln. No, it's in Dublin. And I'm like, oh, wow, you got the Fitzgerald clan. They're coming out. It's kind of a shaded to our home game with the coach. I mean, they're going to look at the coach's names, and automatically they're going to become a Northwestern fan. Just a theory. But that's not quite the sense there, the five-and-a-half dif- differential from the point spread of I have with what's out there. So that's the value I see right there. But then when you start breaking it down, the next reason is entirely built on the offensive line with Northwestern and the two tight ends back again. So we got four of the five starters back from last year, Northwestern, and it was a three, nine year, three, nine year for Nebraska as well. Um, But I really think they're going to open up some holes and they're being mom on the quarterback situation, but I think we're going to have Ryan Holinsky start, but still, we don't know yet. He hasn't announced that he's being real um, quiet in Dublin about what's going to happen there. Um, So I think they're going to be able to uh, run the ball really well with Evan uh, Hull and Cam Porter, both having some time and, getting some of those opening holes. And you got three new defensive linemen for Nebraska. And I think that is going to be the edge of the game. I think it'll be a low scoring game. I mean, they got Casey Thompson and I think some of the odds makers fell a little too far for that. I mean, this guy lost to Kansas. I'm not saying he's not good, but he was with Texas and lost to Kansas. And then you got Scott Frost. I mean, you know, Nebraska football is just, not the same. They're not getting the same recruits. It's not the days of Scott Frost anymore. His coaching right now, 15 and 29, bad year last year. And the last time I saw Northwestern go three and nine, they came back the very next year. I think it was 2020 and won the West division and finished 10th nationally. So I see something here. It's kind of a coaching edge, I think, and also an Irish edge and um, Northwestern coming back. And also the final thing, Revenge. They got beat fifty-six to nine last year by Nebraska, and I think, I think that's going to be in their heads. And I think the coach is just wily enough to say, "Remember this," and put it on everywhere, and make them think about how they felt, albeit Nebraska losing every game after that six straight after that loss. So uh, there's a lot of positives, I think, with Northwestern here taking the points. I think they might win the game outright. Nice job. I like it. You know what? We're going to continue to break that game down because, excuse me, there's so much that goes into going not only across the country, right? Like, it's one thing to be Vanderbilt going to Hawaii, and Hawaii's staying at home. It's a home game for them. You have both teams going global, right, and in week zero right out of the gate. So, Tom, I'm going to come to you. You got three plays, but break that one down. Like, what do you see out of this one being played in Dublin, being played on week zero? What do you got? I think there's value at Northwestern in the points simply because I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of points scored in this game. I'm on the under 49 and a half. I think that if you look at these two teams, like Nebraska's got a new offensive coordinator coming in in Mark Whipple, who was the offensive coordinator at Pitt last year, helped make Kenny Pickett a Heisman finalist, helped Jordan Addison win the Blitnikoff, helped Pitt win the ACC. But this is his first game at Nebraska with a quarterback in Casey Thompson, who was not there last year. He transferred in from Texas. So new quarterback, new coordinator, 
flying across an ocean to play the game. I expect there to be some growing pains on the offensive side of the ball for Nebraska, particularly early in the season. And on the flip side, Northwestern was a disaster last season because Jim O'Brien took over as defensive coordinator for Mike Hankwitz. And even though he was very familiar with the defense, he's coached very similar defenses. Being in charge of the defense did not work out very well for him. Their defense fell off a cliff last year. And as Northwestern's defense goes, so goes Northwestern. And I do think that last year, part of the problem was they were very young on that side of the ball. So while I don't think the Wildcats are going to take the kind of sizable leap being one of the worst defenses in the country to going against statistically being one of the better defenses, I do think we are going to see a better Northwestern defense in 2022. So that combined with Nebraska's offense, I don't think the Cornhuskers are going to be able to be moving the ball very efficiently in the game. And then on the other side, like Mike was talking about, we don't know who Northwestern's quarterback is yet. It is probably going to be Ryan Alinsky, but I don't care because Northwestern doesn't score points. Like it's <laughs> just, I, I, I can't tell you who their best receiver is because I don't know who any of the receivers are. That's pretty much an anonymous group right now. There is nobody that's really kind of stepped forward. I think Cam Porter at running back, getting him back and healthy will be huge for that offense. I think that's important. I think that with Peter Skaronski at left tackle, they have one of the best offensive tackles in the country. And I think that's what they're going to lean on. They're going to lean on one of a strong offensive line and some good running backs and just try to keep this game limit possessions to make sure that they can stay close because that really has been Pat Fitzgerald's entire formula for success at Northwestern. Don't mess up. Keep the game close. And at the end, put your opponent in a position to make a mistake that we could take advantage of and win the game. And if there's anything I know about Nebraska from what I've seen from the last few years, including last season, that is a team very capable of making a mistake. So I, I, I don't think there's going to be a ton of points here. I think it's going to be low scoring. I think it's going to be close. So while I support the the play on the Wildcats and the points, I, I have more comfort in this just being kind of a 21 to 14 kind of game. Yeah, I feel you on that, man. Absolutely. Now you've got you've got your three plays. Break down the other two. What do you got? Uh, another one that I really like a lot. This is it's an interesting litmus test for me. I'm taking New Mexico State plus nine at home against Nevada. This is a Nevada team that was excellent last year. Uh, Carson Strong was one of the best quarterbacks in the Mountain West. Romeo Dubs was one of the top receivers in the conference. But Carson Strong is in now in an NFL camp, and Romeo Dubs is in Green Bay catching passes from Aaron Rodgers. And they are not the only two people who left Reno. Jay Norvell did the you know rarely seen move of leaving a program coming off of a good season to go to another program within the same conference who had a much worse season. Jay Norvell left for Colorado State because – doesn't really like what he has available to him at Nevada as far as the resources that get put into the program, whereas Colorado State, he feels like he has a much higher ceiling. And not only did Jay Norvell leave Nevada, but he took a whole bunch of Nevada with him. A lot of players followed him to Colorado State. And I look at this Nevada team as I don't think the power ratings have quite caught up to how bad the Wolfpack might be in 2022. And New Mexico State has been routinely one of the worst teams in college football at the FBS level in in you know the last few years. I do the bottom 25 every season. New Mexico State constantly in the running for bottom 25 champion. But Jerry Kill is in there. His first year as head coach has a you know an experienced coach, a coach who knows how to get the most out of lesser situations, maybe as far as roster and talent. So I think going in there, this is a spot where I think the Aggies could pull off a surprise. I would consider a money line sprinkle. You can get it probably close to plus 300. I would rather have the points. I think the Aggies could hang tough. I think they could win this game. So if I'm getting nearly double digits with them, I really like that value for a game on Saturday night that not many people are going to be paying attention to. 
Nice. All right. Hit us in that last one, man. You're going with another. Yeah, a lot. I love terrible teams. Yeah, break it down. I'm going with UConn of all the teams. Like, yeah. think of it. That's how you start a season, folks. Yeah. You take the UConn Huskies catching nearly four touchdowns. All right. Listen, it's just it's situation. Utah State, Micah. I'm with you. Like all your futures. I'm oh no, <laughs> this is this is a tough spot. Jim yeah. Mora, he's given, you know, he had 12 players today. This is a really good spot for him to show up and play at least well. You know, yeah. I mean, if you lose by 17, so what? Yeah, I, I saw a tweet today too. I can't remember who did it. I feel bad about it, but I wanted to shout them out. They were pointing out how UConn starts its season with. Uh, it's Utah State starts with yeah, Utah, Utah State starts with Alabama. Utah, and yeah. then in week two they're playing Alabama. And it's like, has there ever been a wider disparity in the first two opponents of the season for any program in history? And no, there hasn't been. But I do think that twenty-seven points is a little too many for UConn to be getting in this first game of the season. Because look ahead, spot you got yeah, Alabama on deck. Exactly. Don't put so anything out there? If you're Utah State and you get control of this game. Like you could probably take your foot off the gas in the second half and try to save some stuff for Alabama next week. Cause you want to, you know, you're trying to impress, you're trying to make, take, have people take notice of what you're going to be able to do this year. And going against Alabama is a great time to do that. So I think, I think the Huskies are going to hang. I think four touchdowns is a bit too much. So I am, I'm diving into the season head first and riding the Yukon Huskies. I like the way you think, buddy. I like the way you think indeed. Plus 27. I like that money line sprinkle on New Mexico state. It's a solid play right there. All right, Chip, you got three plays. Let's see. You got four plays, actually, but on three games. Break this thing down, buddy. Bring us home. What do you got? Yeah, well, first of all, you know, just so excited that I can be in a a little bit of agreement (laughs) on a a couple of these plays with with my friends right here because we are working with uh, some principles. New Mexico State principle. The number ain't caught up yet. Well, there's another place where the number has not caught up yet, and that is with Wyoming. So I am in on New Mexico State plus nine. Great call. Coaching advantage to Jerry Kill over Ken Wilson. And again, the Nevada exodus, there might not be uh, there might not be another opportunity for us to be able to fade Nevada better than this. You're just going to have to swallow that you're betting on New Mexico State. This has been dropping from like 12 to 9. So if it gets all the way down to one touchdown, that's where I would say maybe maybe back off of it. But as long as we're close to two scores, I do think there's value. So yes, in on New Mexico State plus 9. Um, also, I, I am so embarrassed that I did not have Back Pat Fitzgerald in Ireland on my board. That is a principle. We should see that, and we should know that Pat Fitzgerald's grandparents are from Ireland. And, yes, I'm so glad that the research has already been done that we know. And, like, Micah, you were on it. From Nerny. Like, there is just the the deep roots are there. Why in the world would we trust uh, Nebraska, led by Scott Frost, to be able to just blow Northwestern out? No way. A lot of the other things that both Mike and Tom mentioned, I also agree with. The way that Northwestern wants to win is to be able to control the clock with the run game and good defense, make things very difficult. Hey, guess what? Nebraska has a new quarterback, new offensive coordinator. Offense might not click. You're already taking this new car overseas. You haven't even gotten a chance to test drive it yet. So, of course, uh, there might be some 
Nebraska shortcomings. My play is Northwestern plus 13 and a half. But when Tom throws out the under as well, I've, I've got to say that we're obviously reading the game the same. So New Mexico State plus nine, Northwestern plus 13 and a half. And another spot where I think that the number has not caught up yet is with the Wyoming Cowboys. And that is because while we still have our head coach in place in Craig Bowl, we have massive exodus of talent from Laramie, where, as we all know, it is windy. And I think that there is a chance that Illinois is going to come out and really take control of this game early. But, but, and this is where we also get into the look-ahead factor, Illinois has got Indiana coming up. That's a pretty big game for a team that when it comes to like looking at the Big Ten schedule and the surefire wins that you have on it, the Indiana is the one where you you need to win that game if you want to be able to put yourself in contention to make a bowl. And so I do think that Illinois is going to get all over Wyoming early and then maybe shut it down or then maybe just squeeze the air out of the ball. So my two plays on Illinois-Wyoming are Illinois first half minus six and a half. Just need to have a one touchdown lead and we're cashing that ticket at halftime. Then, ooh, we get in for the full game sweats as we go under 44 for the full game. So Illinois for the first half, not going to go all the way for the full game because I think Illinois might pack it in. You know, they're comfortable winning by any margin, and that's a double digit spread. A little bit too much for me, but I like the first half minus six and a half. I also like the full game under 44, which, by the way, if they do pack it in, they're probably not scoring a lot, and they're also not letting Wyoming score. Uh, that's sort of the thinking there. And New Mexico State plus nine and Northwestern plus 13 and a half. Dude, I love it. Let me just say this we, you guys are already in like conference season mode right here, right? Like we've got Micah breaking down, Pat Fitzgerald in Dublin. Chip's already fired out not only Wyoming games, but he's got the soundboard ready to go. And you nailed it right there. Our man Fernelli, first play of the year under son. Mm -hmm. Hit it. Like I love yeah. it, man. Like we are in full form oh, here. AB, I, I forgot, here. I forgot yeah, to ahead, give Mike. you yeah. the uh, uh, Illinois. I, I, I missed that on the first part when I was right. talking got all hyped up about Northwestern and uh, I did play Illinois it and happened. yeah, it's been rolling up and I have the number at 11 and a half, but more, more so I liked the new coordinator from uh, uh, Texas San Antonio, Barry Linney and quarterback transfer debt, uh, Tommy DeVito from Syracuse. I think he's going to step in and do real well, but most of all, it's just the overall vibe and the culture that has been created by Brett Billema. I think he's a winner and, um, they, they showed it last year, especially the second half of the season, finishing four and three. They actually outscored all their opponents, Big Ten opponents last season, 172 to 170. I found that pretty impressive. Not a, you know not the big teams they didn't play well against, but uh, they still did a good job. I think it's a program on the upswing. And, um, I, you know, I, Wyoming quarterback, I am just uh, not impressed with, uh, despite them touting him as Josh Allen Modish because he's a dual threat. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't, I don't see it. So uh, I'm taking Illinois here, laying there. Yeah. I like it. I like it. All right. Let me go over the picks real quick. What everybody has. Chip Patterson is on Illinois first half minus six and a half. Also on Illinois, Wyoming under 44, New Mexico state plus nine and Northwestern plus 13 and a half. Tom Fernelli is on Northwestern, Nebraska under 49 and a half, New Mexico state plus nine, Yukon plus 27 and Michael Roberts, as he just broke down Northwestern plus 13 and a half and Illinois minus 11. Now, a couple comments in the chat here. First off, our man, the jeweler, Jacob is in here. Speaking about Vanderbilt, all right? He says, 
Full disclosure, I got burned by Vandy over two and a half last year. Understandable. Hey, listen, Elon is not East Tennessee State, okay? Last year, East (laughs) Tennessee State provided a little bit more resistance than we had in our calculations if that game goes the other way. And I'm telling you, Elon ain't been the same since Kurt Signetti left to go take over James Madison. So the Elon gives you the FCS win that we did not get because of East Tennessee State last year. And we're longer this year, faster too. Longer and better team speed. (laughs) There you go. There you go. A couple other here that we have. Let's see here. Uh, our man, Troy, a Pitt fan, says, look, Pitt fan, yes, people are doubting uh, Baltimore left, but the championship team core is returning. They have a real chance with week scheduled to be in the final game. I'll say one thing, being here in Tennessee, that Tennessee-Pitt game is going to be a big swing game for, for both. both teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and look, uh, Pitt came in and won in Neyland last year, right? And now Tennessee has to go up there. That's going to be a really, really fun game. Uh, for sure. Hey, hold on. Uh, Are they calling Mark Whipple Voldemort? Yeah, I think that's pretty awesome. Is that an inside? That's a deep pit fan, a deep cut from pit fans that I'm not aware of. That is is Pat Narduzzi commenting. Well, because Pat Narduzzi kept (laughs) referring to Mark Whipple as like the other guy. Like it is true. Mm -hmm. He's not naming him. I just, I didn't know the fans were jumping on calling him Voldemort. That's fantastic stuff. Good job. I will, I will say for Troy and Pitt fans, it's like, I understand you want to be excited, but let's, let's just, let's not overthink this. You lost a Heisman trophy finalist, at quarterback, you lost the Bolitnikoff award winner at wide receiver, and you lost your offensive coordinator. You're not going to be as good as you were this year. You've got it's just, one of the best defenses. Like- they had one of the best defenses in the ACC the years before they had the great offense. And that was helping them get the seven and five and eight and four. And eight, that's where they're going to be this year. And eight and four is fine. All right. It is, but that's where you're going to be again this year. You're not going to be winning 10 games and winning the ACC. Sorry. Look, he says it's actually uh, a reference to Addison. Oh, man. Oh, wow. Wow. That's just. Uh, he that's took just the hurt. bag. Why are you holding that against him, man? Yeah. Like, <laughs> man dude, I love it. <clears throat> Let me say this. I am so glad that this show is back. I just love every single Wednesday we have during the college football season. Now, as we wrap this thing up, because I don't want to keep you guys <clears throat> excuse me, too long, I want to make sure that, as we did every single week last year, you guys have so much going on in terms of podcasts, in terms of work, in terms of everything that's coming out. So could be college football only related. Micah, you handle pretty much every sport here at Sportsline. So, Micah, I'll start with you. What articles or anything that you have coming out that people need to pay attention to that we should all go check out? Uh, the uh, Daytona article for NASCAR should have just uh, dropped on Sportsline, I, I think. Um, big race, Daytona, uh, 26th race of the regular season. It ends. We've got one spot to fill, and we've got about 10 desperate drivers that are going after it to try to get the win to get in. So Daytona, as volatile as it is, now it adds even more importance to it. I think it'll be a, a fun, exciting race with uh, dare I say it, because I don't really care about that stuff, but lots of wrecks. <laughs> there we go. There we go. All right, Tom, coming over to you, man. What should we all be paying attention to? What do you got? Uh, cover three podcasts three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern, featuring the first lock spot of the season tomorrow and also our Saturday night recap episodes after the action, which we will be having for week zero. Other than that, you can read my work at CBSSports.com. And also, I'm going to be moving here in the next few weeks so if you want to come and carry some of this crap out of my house for me to save me time having to do it because i'm kind of busy with work hit me up man come come on over there's some couches that need to be moved you know what that's what we need that's our next like giveaway and we're gonna get back to giveaways by the way next week that's the first one 
is that you could come actually just move Tom Fernelli's house, which by the way, I'm, I'm fascinated to see how the new background looks, but if this one that you have right here, a little bit different than what we saw last year. I like it, man. It looks sharp. Yeah, this is this was always my HQ setup, and I finally decided, you know what, maybe I should just turn my desk around yeah. so that way it's the setup that way all the time. <laughs> there you go. My man's operating efficiently already. Chip Patterson, what do you got, buddy? What do we need to check out? Yeah, I covered three podcasts four times a week, Tom. You don't you don't want to sell yourself. I'm shit. sorry. I'm still in I'm not in season mode yet. <laughs> Monday, uh, yeah. Wednesday, Thursday at eleven AM. This is a lot He's moving. I have I, things on my mind, Chip. Listen, I, I give you a lot of grace. This is stressful time right now. Yeah, eleven AM Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, Saturday nights. We'll be playing around with it. Normally we say like about when the big game ends, but I think we might be sort of toying with the idea of having like a 30 minute warning so we can uh, let you know. So be following us on Twitter, following us on social media. And then when we light that siren, let you know, you got 30 minutes to get in position for the live show on Saturday nights. And so we'll be, uh, we'll be getting at it first week zero this Saturday other than that, you know, if you want to yell at us, Tom and I have filled out overrated and underrated blurbs on CBSSports.com for every single daggum conference. And so, you know, I'm sure we're going to make someone angry for for those decisions. But, uh, man, we're fired up. Good to be back with y'all. Good to have the early edge rocking and rolling looking at college football. Dude, it's great to be back. And let me say this. I am pro alarms and warning sounds for anything. If you could make it like that EAS sound when you have like a tornado warning or something. <sighs> Like to where it gets everyone's attention. I'm all for it, man. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, thank you so much. I know how much you guys have on your plate for and you guys taking time to hang out with us, man. It's huge. Really do appreciate it. And everybody, thank you you so much for tuning in. Yeah, we'll be live every Wednesday, 3 p.m. Eastern. And you know what? We're gonna break it down. And like I said, these boys went 56.8% against the spread last year. We're looking to beat that. Oh, dude, that's huge. Like we finished 56% again, buddy. Like, I think we're going to get trophies. Like, we're going to pass it up. Jeweler will be in charge of that. Like, if he could get trophies made up, yeah, we'll do it. But, no, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be live the early edge in five in about, yeah, about 20 minutes here, 4 p.m. Eastern here. But thank you so much. And, as always, best of luck. Let's cash these tickets. a very bright shining light Sarajevo and they needed to kill that light from producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2 U2 they represent a personification of our resistance the Hollywood reporter hails kiss the future moving and inspirational kiss the future viva Sarajevo kiss the future new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus go to Paramount Plus to try it free terms apply